This is Jess, and you're listening to The Pumping Podcast. This week, I sit down with a mama and fertility coach named Sarah Clark. If you've ever struggled with infertility, which I know many, many have, she was just like you. At 28, she was diagnosed with premature ovarian failure. Now, she was able to have two beautiful children through donor eggs, but it was quite a process. She later discovered that the root cause of her infertility was food intolerance and later a gut infection. So she decided to become a fertility coach to work with mamas and women before they become mamas to teach them how they can take control of their infertility. Now I know this is not for everyone in everyone's specific case, but if you're struggling with infertility, I recommend that you listen to this episode and maybe reach out to Sarah because you never know what you might be able to control. And I can imagine something like infertility can feel like something you have no control over. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes because there's tons of information that Sarah has provided and all of the links to her website. They're just fantastic boatloads of information. I hope you enjoy. Here's Sarah. I am so excited I get to sit down today with Mama Sarah Clark. She is a fertility coach. You're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong because there's so much wonderful information on you. You have your own company called Fabulously Fertile. You have a book also called um, Fabulously Fertile. You have a fertility coaching program and you have your own podcast, which is Get Pregnant Naturally. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. The name of my company is Fab Fertile. F-A-B. Fab Fertile. Fab Fertile. Yeah. All right. And <laughs> Shorten put... it up because I was like, oh, the Fabulously Fertile is going to be like little, little, it's too long. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It makes it so much easier. And I'll have all those links in the show notes so people can check yeah. them out. But I'm so interested, especially to hear your story. I also um, selfishly have some questions for you on my own. Sure. So that'll yeah. be great. Um, but just to give the listeners a little bit of background, you had premature ovarian failure at 28 years old. And then you were still able then to have two children, but with donor eggs. So just give us a little overview as far as what that was like for you and how that all kind of came about. Yeah. So, um, I, I was diagnosed with POF at 28 and, and went straight to the clinic and had my kids with donor eggs. And this was years ago. My, my daughter's 18 and my son's 15. So Wow. When you said donor eggs, people are like, I don't even know what that is. Right. Now it's so much more popular. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, due to our the standard Western diet lifestyle, more common. And had you been trying for a long time? Yeah. So I, I no, I went right to donor eggs. <laughs> Wasn't trying at all. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So before we go into that in detail, I want to dive back into your past a little bit and, and learn a little bit about before you had this company, before you had the babies and all of this, what, what did life look like before kids? Yeah. So I was in HR for, for years and I had never even, my kids, my friends always joked that because I'd never even changed a diaper. Like I saw a kid <laughs> and ran the other way. I was horrified. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so, you know, when, when you have your own children think that that's definitely different, but, um, I was fine, but yeah, a lot of, I remember a lot of people are kind of like, Oh, I don't know how, how she's going to do, but it was fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so had, had you always wanted to have kids or was it something that you, Oh, oh yeah. No, I was, I'm, I'm like a planner. So I had a life plan. I had like get married at 25, have my kids at 28. And that's when I got the, the, the diagnosis. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, 
yeah, I always wanted to have kids. I always wanted to have two. And um, mm. luckily it was fortunate that, that that worked out. Yeah. Did you start to get tested or did you check check yourself out before you even started to try to get pregnant or how did that work out? How did you discover that you had the ovarian failure? Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a little bit of a story, so I can kind of go yeah. go into it for you. So um, in my early twenties, I had um, a regular period. So I had my period came a couple times a year. I thought that was a good thing. I had um, during my twenty during my teens, I had no acne, and then all of a sudden, my early twenties, I started getting acne. Um, I had a weird fungal rash in my chest at that point, and then I started having some yeast infections. So at that point, because of the acne, I went um, to my uh, physician and he put me on the pill. So just a band-aid approach didn't get to the, the, the root cause of why it was happening in the first place. So again, with my, my planning, I got married at 25 and wanted to have the kids at 28. So I was on the pill between um, my early 20s till, till 28 went off. The cycles were still irregular. I thought, okay, I better go get tested on this. You know, what's going on? We're trying to get pregnant. Um, and then uh, was given the diagnosis right away of premature ovarian failure, or as it's now known, premature ovarian insufficiency, which is the loss of function of the ovaries before the age of 40. And I didn't get a second opinion. I didn't take any time to grieve. I remember she just reached up on her shelf, grabbed the, the, the IVF brochure, and off I went to wow. the clinic. And so um, I so went to the clinic and we were put on a, a list. This is back, you know, 18 years ago when I had my daughter, where you received the, the, the maternal and the paternal information in the mail. So, um, you know, I was waiting for the, for the, for that information and, um, found a match that, that we liked and was lucky enough on the first fresh transfer to have our daughter. Then we had two embryos left over and, um, and so we wanted to have the kids close together. So we went, went back in there. I was super stressed trying to have the kids close together. Those two didn't work, went on a separate list for a separate donor for our son. And then, and then he was born, uh, three years later and then really, so fast forward with my my health after I had my daughter, remember I had like nine colds. Every cold went to a sinus infection. I thought it was a great idea to take antibiotics for every cold. I started getting chronic bladder infections. Mm. So I was peeing blood. Again, took antibiotics for all the bladder infections. The yeast infections became chronic. I started getting vertigo, dandruff, toenail infections, uh, seasonal allergies when I didn't have those before. So I was still in HR at the time, still doing my thing, but my immune system was in the toilet. And so... Um, at that, that point, I decided to take a life coaching course, bring it into the corporate environment. So when I had my own personal wake-up call, decided I wanted to go into health and wellness, took a health coaching course, and that's when I discovered I had these food sensitivities. So for me, sensitive to dairy and gluten, took those out, later took out corn. A couple of years later after that, discovered I had gut infections, so H. pylori and streptococcus and fungal oh infections, and then kind of, that type, kind of that type A, doing a whole bunch of stuff. So really being able to slow down, but I didn't discover any of this, like all that until I was 40. So I was fully in menopause. So it was too late for me. So I really started the company Fat Fertile to really help other women like me that are on the fertility journey. I think they have no other options and the, fun the functional approach really digging deeper and not just like me going right to the clinic. Obviously I'm fortunate to have my children, but there's, there was huge clues going on and no one no one said anything and I didn't get a second opinion and I wasn't right. empowered. It's so crazy how you went the life coach route for 
a totally separate business and to help other people. And then all yeah. of a sudden, you know, that's kind of the way I think things happen. I know. Yeah, I know. I was like bringing in, co- you know, coaching in the corporate environment. And I was in that HR, like male dominated engineering company. And I was bringing coaching in and they were like, oh yeah, no, we're like, they were kind of like, they were sort of open to coaching, but then, and then I'm like, no, this is for me and it's health health and, and wellness that I, I really like. And I'm like, why am I in this yeah. engineering company? I don't even, I'm not even exactly. technical. I don't like this. I'm here for the people. I like them, but it's like what they were building and doing, I had no interest in it. So it's interesting how you end up places and then you're like, how did I even mm-hmm. get here? It was all ultimately for yourself, really. So going back to the first pregnancy, when you ended up getting pregnant with the donor egg, what was what was it like for you? Did you still have a lot of physical ailments? Was it an easy pregnancy? How did that how did that go? So so even with these physical things, I would still I still would have said I was healthy. Like I was still doing my thing, right? So I wasn't. And most people that come to see me, they're not. It's not a sick population. It's just people don't know how you know because we think these complaints that we all have they could be common, but they're not normal. So we just kind of put up with them. So, um, my pregnancy was great. I had great pregnancy, um, no issues at all. And, um, I did end up having a C-section, both the kids. So just at the end, um, yeah, my daughter, just, she yeah, wouldn't come out. So, so I'm really like forceps and, and that. So C-section, so a little longer recovery and stuff, but, um, and then it definitely with the breastfeeding, there was, there was, um, like I breastfed for six months, but I remember at four months, like she was just losing weight because he wasn't getting enough breast milk so then kind of supplemented um, the formula and breast but um and so that was like my something going on with my system there too so like why was i producing enough milk um so on the postpartum period very irritable like i've since heard about postpartum rage i wouldn't say i have postpartum rage but definitely like cranky and yeah irritable i remember just like snapping at things that really shouldn't make you snap so um, so I wasn't the, the depression crying. I definitely was more like the crankiness and I don't think they've, they've started talking about postpartum anxiety now. Um, so yeah, yeah. Something was definitely going on with my postpartum period. Cause I didn't figure any of this stuff out. I just, you know, I had no idea I had food sensitivities, gut infections. So you were pretty stuff. much at that so point just eating whatever you wanted and kind of just living your life standard. standard was to, I probably would have said I ate, I would have like most people come to me and say they eat healthy. So I would have said the same thing, you know, I'm eating decently healthy. You know, I probably ate more of the standard Western diet, but um, not like huge amounts yeah. of junk food or anything. Um, but still definitely the diet was not optimized for my body. And then with your diet. son, the same situation, easy pregnancy, yeah, great pregnancy. Um, again, when after when he was born, so with C-section too, general anesthetic because they tried to do um, just um, local anesthetic, but it, it didn't work. I'm six foot, so they I don't know for some reason they always misjudge my 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 height. So it happened yeah with the anesthetic. I don't know if the height or weight. I don't know what it is, but um, they them like they got the scalpel. They're like, do you feel that? Yes, I feel that. No, thank you. <laughs> And so then they're like, put her out. I'm like, okay. I woke up. I'm like, what do we have? Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, so after my son, definitely very, I found it very challenging with when they were both young. Cause my daughter was like a, just a wild one. She just ran around like, and so because I didn't focus on any of this preconception health, both my kids have food sensitivities. My daughter had all these ear infections and so had chronic ear infections, the tonsils, the, adenoids. I had no idea. I had all those taken out. 
you know, when we started later, both of them are dairy, are now dairy and gluten-free as teenagers. That's a nightmare. I got to tell you, but, but, um, they finally, you know, figured out like my daughter, there was like, there's, there's, um, like people that are do like longer bedwetting that can be associated with food sensitivities. So definitely for my, for my daughter and it's a really high metabolism. So I didn't focus on any of this stuff beforehand. So and the fact that they were both born C-section, that they didn't get, didn't get the beneficial bacteria from the, you know, the birth canal, so or from the vagina, so it's um, a, no, a number of things in there that didn't that predispose them to these allergies and food sensitivities from a functional yeah. way you look at it. I find this so interesting, um, especially because for me personally. It, I'm not sure if you know, or if any of the listeners don't know my story, but basically in a nutshell, um, I was diagnosed about seven years ago with psoriatic arthritis. I developed psoriasis um, and it got so bad. I was completely covered from head to toe. If anyone wants to hear my full story, it's on episode 20, (laughs) but um, I was completely covered head to toe. I mean, I looked like a monster and I would say the same thing. Mm. You know, I ate pretty decent diet. Like I never really had a ton of processed foods, but you know, just your normal share, I suppose. Um, and then the psoriasis ended up, I had to take, um, Humira, which is a, a biological medication. And my thought is that the Humira kind of pushed me over the edge. Um, of course, doctors won't say that, but I was then diagnosed with the arthritis and the arthritis was so Mm. bad that I literally couldn't walk. I couldn't walk to the bathroom. My husband had to carry me. And so now I'm, well, in turn throughout all of that. And since then I've gotten off the Humira, of course, and I've gone on to some other medications, but I've kind of, since especially I've played around with gluten-free, I've been gluten-free for about maybe five years now. But I've played around with the idea of different food intolerances as well. And just this past uh, January, I started a pretty rigid diet. Um, Dr. Amy, uh, Dr. Amy Myers, she, yeah, she has um, a pretty solid elimination, essentially, diet for um, autoimmune anti-inflammatory diet. So I started that, and um, I've pretty much been on. Now I've added things back in, but I'm still the same as you. No gluten, no dairy. Um, The only sugar I have is coconut sugar, only coconut oil, and a little bit of olive oil, but not cooked. Um, So it's it's pretty rigid, but I'm in this place as well where um, I need to get off of one of the medications, well, two of the medications that I'm on in order to have kids. And my whole plan was I wanted to do this diet and focus because I want to make my body as strong as it possibly can before I, and as I go off of this medication. So hopefully I don't have to go on another medication. Um, but it's hard and it's a lot. And I, and you know, it's, it's so funny. Like my husband is a very healthy person too, and, and works out and sticks to a pretty clean diet. And people are always saying, Oh, are you on that crazy diet again? When, you know, we're just really on kind of back to the primal ways of eating, you know, um, what those before us did. But I find it interesting how it's really looked at in a, in a, in a strange light. Have you found pushback from that? I mean, especially I bet from your teenagers, but for yourself, have you come across that? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it, just from, for them, for an autoimmune disease, so if you like yourself, if you have an autoimmune disease, definitely no gluten, you can probably take it out. I would say taking it out forever, say goodbye to it. Um, then, and then also an AIP diet. So that, like, like you're doing with Amy. So, um, autoimmune protocol diet, and we talk about it on my podcast, there's actually studies talking about the, efic- the efficacy of the AIP diet being, being, um, published in the Journal of American Medicine now. So they did a study on people with, with IBD, so Crohn's and colitis, and did the AIP diet. I think it was for six weeks. And um, there was a, it was a small study, I think 11 people in the study, but the average time they'd had IBD was 18 to 19 years. And um, 75% of them were in, re- in, in remission after six weeks. Mm-hmm. So like huge studies on diet. Another study with the AIP diet in Hashimoto's, uh, 18 people in the study, one person had to leave early because she got pregnant naturally after eight weeks. The rest of the people were able to improve all their the, the um, many lifestyle factors just by doing the AIP diet, uh, taking out nightshades and and taking out um, um, taking out nuts and then also grains. So it, it is hardcore. We typically have to start people with the with the elimination diet, which is taking out top allergens, and then if it is an autoimmune disease, then moving to an AIP diet. We help people get pregnant naturally with that. It is, um, yeah, it's, it sucks basically changing your diet. And then people, people are like, what are you doing? What are you eating? Mm-hmm. You're crazy. All this stuff. And it's, it's basically just kind of to really surround yourself with other people that know this is right. Um, and cause it could be some self doubt. Maybe I'll just go gluten light. It won't matter. But if you, like we see people off the freaking chart for gluten and dairy. And, and if you have a little crumb of that, it's causing an autoimmune, it's causing a, an immune response in your body and it could then affect you for weeks and months later. So even though um, like you really, this is to be very diligent and do what's right for you. And there's, our society is kind of like, oh, you know, people want to ask because they secretly think, well, maybe that would help me, but th- that looks too hard. Oh, what are you going to, now you can't have this and you're going to starve. And really, um, I used to eat a bunch of stuff on a plate that was brown, like a yeah, bunch of exactly. brown crap. Like, garbage I'm like I eat like I there is no starvation I am not eating green juice all drinking green juice all day long I am eating so I yeah with dairy gluten corn people will say are you a vegan no I'm not a vegan um, but it is having like more plant-based foods but I have wild-caught fish and grass-fed um, uh, beef and grass-fed meat and it's this is a great diet like there is yeah. no deprivation or suffering I feel bad for other people who are like stuck on medication and feeling these symptoms that are, you know, common, common, but not normal. And, um, yeah, but there's a lot of like pressure where, and you, you go to a restaurant, people will say, is that an allergy? Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, it is an allergy. So I tell people that now it's an allergy because I don't need to go out and pay money to feel like garbage. So you end up being like, I, you end up being really an advocate for yourself. And I typically not a high maintenance person. I would like run out the door and just go. But now you, there is a little more preparation. You do more home cooking, but you feel better. Right. Like if you're in, cause most people like for the infertility thing, you know, you've been, people have been struggling for years and years and spending all this money on treatments. And, and, and I see people that hasn't worked failed cycles, failed IUIs, failed IVFs, financial ruin, emotional devastation. And then we're like, oh, wait, there's a food sensitivity. There's a gut infection, environmental toxins, chronic stress, like type A overworking 50 hours a week, like all of that and the functional approach matters. So it is, 
I do believe having someone like has, who's been on the other side to guide you, to make sure that to, to, to have, you know, that you're not crazy, like what you're doing is making a difference and to stay, stay the course. And especially like with an autoimmune disease, potentially having the whole, the whole household, well, definitely having the whole household go gluten-free, your partner can run off, have a piece of bread or a beer, come back and kiss you, causing a reaction in your body for weeks and months later. So like all of this stuff matters and, um, you know, the functional approach, it's, it, the, the conventional approach is just, it's a pill for an ill. It's like, it's lagging and, and it's, it's, to me, it's outdated. The functional approach is digging deeper, still including that team of people, like for the, for, for the in the fertility side of things, your, your reproductive endocrinologist, your OBGYN, fertility coach, acupuncturist, Cairo, um, masseuse, whatever it is, but you're in the center, you know, your body best. And a lot of times Absolutely. we go whoop, right over to the person in the white coat. Mm-hmm. He know he or she knows my body best. No, they don't. You know your body best, and it's very empowering. You need don't need to sit back and like wait wait for something. Like it's it's um, yeah, it's it's an empowering way of of looking at taking control of your own health. Right. Well, and like you mentioned with your first experience, I think we take for granted a lot of things that just happen, and we just brush them off. You know, yeast infections toe fungus, random things that just happen. And we think acne, you know, oh, it's, it's just, I'm stressed or I'm getting my period or this is happening or that's happening, but there could be much deeper issues there that you can live without those issues. (laughs) And wouldn't it be great to not, to not deal with those things. And then I found, you know, with, of course, it's challenging to get into the rhythm, but once you're in the rhythm of eating in a certain way and living a certain way, it's just your way of life. It's not a diet. It's just your way of life. And then you don't really crave that other stuff anymore. You know, you find it's just, it's just something new. And instead, you know, that piece of pineapple or watermelon or whatever just tastes just as good. Exactly. So when, when clients come to you, um, how do you kind of guide them through and, and what is your ideal client? Like, are you working with somebody who's just starting to, you know, dive into trying to get pregnant, who hasn't, doesn't really know if they're not able to, or are you looking for people who have been trying for months and, you know, where do they kind of lie? Yeah, most people that come to me, they've been trying for probably usually a couple of years, a year and a half to two years, and they've typically gone through some failed IVF, at least one failed IVF and some IUIs. I see people like five IVFs, which to me is insane. And then and you're you know, just we look at the, money the functional the approach. Yeah, and and you get the money, but also the emotional. Like every time you go in, yes. then just like completely obliterated when it doesn't work, and so that, and then you know, believing it'll never work. So it's it's a lot of trauma like a lot of trauma and that's the, the chronic stress we see people just like flatline cortisol and completely burnt out and just you know doing whatever they can to try to just keep going because they're 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 it's becomes a des- very desperate and this impatience so yeah we we work with people with unexplained infertility with diminished ovarian reserve um premature ovarian failure like myself or, or poi low amh so um, uh, anti-malarian hormone, basically being told, you know, donor eggs for them and we help them get pregnant naturally, not everyone. So it's no, just like with the, with the clinic, it's not a guarantee, but basically, you know, people that come to us, it's not just, I have diminished ovarian reserve or I have unexplained infertility and that's it. You know, unexplained infertility and the functional approach, 
it is not, it's not unexplained. It's, we dig deeper. There's reasons. Is there thyroid dysfunction? Low in vitamin D is, you know, maybe you're not absorbing nutrients. Maybe you were like me on the pill. We see this all the time. People being on long-term birth control for um, five, 10, 15 years, it predisposes you, predisposes you to food, um, in fact, sorry, food sensitivities, gut infections. Then you're eating that beautiful nutrient dense diet. Maybe you're not absorbing the nutrients, especially if you have um, some gut infections, it then, it then lowers your stomach acid. You're, you're not able to absorb the nutrients. We see that a lot. Um, yeah. So that, so the ideal client is basically someone that's probably like a year and a half, two years been trying. Um, and then being able to make, to make these, these very targeted changes. So we, we start people have, and we, we coach couples. So it's not just the, even, even if it is female factor infertility, we're, looking at both partners. So, um, doing the elimination diet, taking out those top allergens, systematically reintroducing them, see how it makes your body feel. Um, cause you can do the food sensitivity testing and be like, Ooh, all these foods, it's overwhelming. It's not until you really feel it. So do the elimination diet for both partners, then have them do food sensitivity testing. We're using either, um, a leap MRT test, looks at 200 foods and food chemicals. And we started in the last six months or so doing, um, from, from uh, Vibrant Wellness, there's Zoomer panels. So basically it includes an IgG test. So that's a delayed food reaction. So the bread you have on Monday, on a bread you have on Friday, every every Monday you're like, I have a headache. So it's that delayed reaction. Mm. You never connect it. You just think, I have a, I have a headache. I have a migraine every Monday. Yeah. Well, maybe it was the wine you drank on the weekend, you know, what, whatever it is. Um, includes IgG plus the Zoomer panel. So it really goes into, there's a wheat Zoomer, a soy Zoomer, a corn um, and a dairy zoomer, and it goes into the minutiae, the proteins in the food. Like it's like a 96-page report. It's very, very detailed. It can also because there's a lot of people that have like, oh, I've been tested for celiac, but the current test for celiac only tests for one, uh, uh, one to four proteins in gluten. There's a lot of false negatives, and so the zoomer will look look at 26. So it's still not perfect, um, but at least can see if you have like a propensity for that. And we see a lot of people with non-celiac gluten sensitivity when they have gluten it makes it does all causes an immune reaction and causes all sorts of problems in their body when the body is under attack it doesn't want to procreate it wants to survive so the diet piece is really is really key and we really dig into that and support people to not give up and keep and keep digging um and then we do hormone testing so we use the dutch test that looks at your your sex hormones your melatonin your cortisol levels using urine just gives us better clues rather than blood. And then we do stool tests. We use a GI map stool test that looks at um, uh, the, the DNA of your stool. So we see a lot of people with H. pylori being passed back and forth between partners, passed via saliva, bacterial infections, people with like low AMH, diminished ovarian reserve coming in with multiple parasites, worms, fungal infections, like Typically, gut health is is missed. If you got food sensitivities, like it is key to dig into gut health. Um, and then also the last one is the hair tissue mineral analysis test. So you're taking clippings of hair and then seeing, you know, are you actually absorbing all this great food you're eating? Maybe it's you're not even absorbing it. And you're not getting those those proper minerals, and then it's you know causing causing malabsorption. So you're you're well fed but undernourished. So we see that a lot. So those are the four tests we do, and then kind so of rubber comprehensive. Hits the- yeah, so it's very yeah, it's very comprehensive and just looking at the whole body. So we get a lot of people like type A, very kind of like science, like like busy professionals, healthcare, doctor, like lawyers, um, 
accountants, engineers, like very, very left brain person <laughs> that kind of likes some of these, this science um, side of things is taking that targeted approach. And then, um, then so doing the diet that's right for you, looking at movement. A lot of times people are training for the marathon, which then, you know, is not a good idea. Vigorous exercise is not recommended. Um, looking at the environmental toxins. So your personal care, your cleaning products. And then, um, then the, the whole other side of it is that like the stress, the trauma associated with infertility, if there's any childhood trauma. Um, and then like the spiritual piece of it, like actually believing that you will be a mother or add to your family. Because sometimes it's, they just get people get such a dark space. They can't even visualize it happening. So really helping people like calling in the spirit of your baby, like spirituality, like that is, is very important to be able to give people some peace because there's a lot of like, you know, shoulders to the ears, tension, restriction, like fighting, because they typically are high achievers. They, everything they've done in life, it's worked. And now what the heck, why is this not working? And so there's this like, and they're fighting. Whereas like, how do you sit back and it's not sit, sit back and doing nothing, but it's like being able to receive. So all of that is, is very important. You, you can make in a very short period of time, like massive, massive change takes 90 days to, re to renew the egg. So it is like, we have a very, um, like customized protocol, but it, it's targeted and you can start seeing like big changes. So you would say about 90 days is usually the minimal amount of time that when people start working with you, they could potentially start trying again and then hopefully start to see some results. Um, so it's a six month couples coaching program. And then we do have a protocol in there. So typically the protocol, depending on what we find could be three to four months. So basically we're finding um, typically gut infections, then we're going to want to er eradicate those. So you will be contraindicated to try. So you wouldn't recommend trying during that time. But um, yeah, so once whatever is, is, you know, out of there, then you, then you can start trying, but yeah, you'd need to probably take a break from trying. Um, and some people, that's not for them. They want to keep going. But to me, like doing the same thing over and over again, like definition of an insanity. So it's like, exactly. let's take a step back, like one step back. So you take three steps forward to really, you know, what, like, let's dig, like, why, why, why is this not worked and what's going on? And um, it's empowering. You know, it's so interesting with so many things in life. I keep reading too about how when you grab onto something so tightly that it's not able to actually come to you, you know, and, and you kind of close yourself off to like, when you talk about that spiritual side of things, it's really kind of opening yourself up to the possibility and, and that positive thinking and all of that. It's so important. It's such a key element. Yeah, it is. It is that that's kind of where, as I say, the calm and the peace lies. And because it, it is such a, and a lot of people that come to me have already done so many things. So they feel they have done everything. But if you haven't done the functional side of things, you, you, there's healing opportunities that are missed. So it is, um, and it can be like, oh, I gotta do more stuff, really. But um, just to have someone help, help you along the way. Cause you can do, you can do self-prescribing, you can read books, you know, certain books can kind of tell you what to do, but, um, it just fast tracks it when you have someone to well, it's, you along the way. Yeah. I mean, it's so much, it's so much easier and so helpful to have that support, I would say. 
And so what are some things that you would say to people who maybe are listening that are trying to have kids or at some point in the future want to have kids? I mean, clearly there are people that have whatever the heck diet they want and they eat Cheetos and burgers and milkshakes and it doesn't matter and they get pregnant and they have 10 kids. You know, It doesn't make a difference. Um, but what would you say for somebody who wants to be proactive, you know, like myself, who wants to try to be in the best physical place that they can be for when that time comes? Yeah. And that's in the infertility community, very frustrating when you're like, how come that person over there is doing drugs and having multiple babies? How come that person she's, I see her eating McDonald's all day long. How come she's able to get pregnant? So it's very, there's a whole, like the comparison game and the fertility, and I think in, in life in general, the comparison game, just, just don't. Like if you're, if you were triggered by social media, uh, we have people to just, just delete Instagram, like just you know, go off of it. Um, if it's taking you down a, da- down a dark hole of like, uh Oh, so, um, but starting out basically, you know, you can, you can start out by at a minimum switching to organic. So do a hundred percent organic. If that seems too cost prohibitive, you can go to the environmental working group. So, uh, ewg.org. And there's the, the dirty dozen, so the foods that are the most sprayed with pesticides. So, so we're in the middle of a huge food experiment. Our food being sprayed with glyphosate, which is a herbicide linked to infertility and a whole host of other, other conditions. And a lot of times we're like, oh, that person over here, she's doing all this. But we don't, like the people that come to see, see us, their, 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 their weak genetic spot is infertility. So other people eating the Cheetos and the other stuff and getting pregnant, maybe for them it's cancer, right. heart disease. We don't know, but this stuff will eventually catch up with you. Um, but just because we have a genetic predisposition to this doesn't mean like diet, diet and lifestyle can either turn on or off disease. So there's things that we can do. We don't need to sit back and go, Oh, I'm destined for whatever it is. So, um, yeah, going organic, drinking a lot of, like we see a lot of people on it. Like some of these are just basics, but, but like water, making sure for that, for the egg to get to the, for the sperm to get to the egg you need to make sure your cervical mucus, you need to be hydrated, which is, which, which is important for your cervical mucus. So drinking eight glasses of water a day, making sure it's filtered. You don't want to have, you're drinking tap water. It's filled with all sorts of um, contaminants. I think over 300 contaminants are in, in um, water. You can go to the environmental working group and check the water in your um, region and get a, um, get a um, results for that. But really I like, like at a minimum doing a Brita, um, that's still not, not filtering out most things. I, I like the Berkey B E R K E Y that water just tastes beautiful. And it's taking out like 99% of the contaminants. Um, especially we see a lot of people with thyroid issues. So, um, you want to make sure like the, 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 the chlorine, the chloride. So, um, yeah, so so doing organic, making sure you do, um, drinking filtered water, and then also get together some sort of something to slow down, be it, is it fertility yoga, which fertility yoga is typically like a Hatha yoga or restorative or yin. So like super slow and people are like, I can't do these poses. I can't sit in here for four minutes. I want to run out the room. If that's you lean into it. Cause that's kind of where some healing can happen. Um, or you can do like a meditate, like a meditative walk. So instead of bringing your, your, your eye, your phone with you, or let's do a podcast on a walk just be out in nature and actually listen to, you know, where you are, be present. Um, so something to slow down, starting meditation, um, to visualization. So some, something in the self care realm and, um, and a fourth one I'll put in there would be sleep. Like 
lot of people we speak with, there's something going on with sleep. They can't fall asleep. They wake up multiple times. They wake up, they're exhausted. So like looking at like having a dark room, wearing a sleep mask, which, um, because even when we're sleeping, light can still hit our eyes, which then impacts our melatonin, which then impacts our cycles for both, um, and sperm health and, um, implantation. So, and we're exposed to all this blue and green light. Um, so on your tablets, your, your phones, so basically you can do blue, blue light blocking glasses, um, or put your phone on, um, uh, on night mode. And then just one, one, one more too, that it's really important is EMF. So we're all exposed to these electromagnetic frequencies, especially for, for male and female fertility. There's studies, um, linking, linking both, but, um, do like take the phone off of your body. Do not keep the phone in your pocket impacts the male sperm. Um, and then you've got it close to your reproductive organs, especially if the laptop, you're sitting there with the laptop on your lap. Don't do that. There are, um, protective, I, I like, um, defender shield. They have, um, like a little pad you can put on your laptop when you're, when you're, you, if you're lying, lying down, you're doing that. And then like never, ever put the phone to your ear. It's like all those things are going right in your brain. So basically always keep it on speaker. And, um, and when you're going to bed, if it's beside you, put it on flight mode. I've heard so much about that. And I, I think it's really something we don't think about, but it's definitely permeating our, our system. It's crazy. Oh yeah. So one little thing I wanted to ask, probably what you would say is everything that you just said. But a situation that I'm experiencing right now, and I'm not trying to get pregnant yet because I need to get off of my medication. However, I've found, and I just wondered if you've seen this before, I've found that truly within the past, like mm, at least year, maybe two years, I barely get a period. Okay. And I do work out very strong, okay. essentially, I would say. I mean, I, I, I lift weights. Um, I'd say I work out more than the average. I'm not like a bodybuilder, but I definitely work out more than the average. Um, and, you know, about a year ago or so, I, I did get a little concerned. And so I went into my doctor and they actually did um, different tests and they said that everything was fine. They did an ultrasound, they tested everything. And they said that it seems like, you know, I didn't go to a fertility doctor. I just went to my regular mm -hmm. OBG. But um, I'm just curious if, I guess I, even though they said everything is fine, I just wonder, hmm, is this going to cause a problem for me? Yeah. Like there's amenorrhea, which can be like under fueling and then over exercising. Uh, Dr. Um, Rinaldi, uh, no period now what? Yeah. That's her book. Um, she, so she's an expert in that, but basically, yeah. Like pulling back on that vigorous exercise. People get very ad addicted to the the runner's high and that vigorous side of things, which is then, you know, impacting your, your cortisol and then impacting your, your sex hormones. So yeah, like it's not about sitting on the couch and doing nothing, but that vigorous exercise is not recommended. Hmm. So to be able to, to pull back on that and doing, um, you can still do, still do some cardio, but it's like, um, if you're doing that really high intensity, um, exercise a lot, it, it can, it can not be good. So maybe around the time that I would be looking to start 
sort of weaning a little bit off of that and kind of not having it be so aggressive. Or you can see, well, why do I need to have aggressive exercise right now? Like, why am I doing more than the normal? Like, what is it I'm trying to, am I escaping? Am I using that as my stress? Is there other things I can try to help alleviate my stress rather than that vigorous pushing, pushing exercise? Cause that's very, that masculine energy. Well, I will go, go, go. And, you know, and there's a competitive thing in there potentially. And like, how do you feel the next day? Are you like to see, to really see, are you dragging your butt? Do you feel exhausted? Because a lot of times people, we're just burning ourselves out. And we just keep going. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm kind of sick. I'll still go to the gym. I'll keep pushing, pushing, pushing. So we got the tight things doing over there. Then the other opposite of people, you know, can't get off the couch. I'm more like coaching the people that are go, go, go. So it is like, what is it you're running from? Like, why do you, why do you feel you need that? Is there something else? Like, where else can you slow down? I don't know. There's some questions to ask yourself as to yeah. why we feel, why the need, like, why wait until you want to? Like, why don't we do that now? Interviewed um, Dr. Ben Lynch, who's um, an expert in MTHFR. We see a lot of people, like 60% of the population have the MTHFR gene variant, which I have as well. So your body's um, inability to, to methylate properly. So you want to make sure you have a methylated folate. You don't want folic acid, which is a, a synthetic form. But um, he's like, well, why do we spend 12 to 18 months preparing for our wedding and then one month for our baby? Let's switch yeah. that around. Like this is a future generation, our children's children, like this, this all matters. And we're, you know, we get the diagnosis and we run off to the fertility clinic and, you know, it's, it's, it's impacting, you know, why is infertility in the States? It's one in eight, Canada, one in six. Why is infertility on the rise? And now it's 50, 50 for male and female infertility in the States. There was 40, 44 clinics in 1985 and now there's 440 in 2015 like this is big freaking business it's not overly regulated industry and um they're not going to look for the root cause their goal is to get you pregnant using medication so um to me there's things we can do to either get pregnant naturally or prepare for a successful ivf and it takes like an average of of three cycles and it costs 60k so like there's there's things that we can do beforehand. It's very empowering. And I just think if we're, if you feel pushed or like with the exercise, stuff like that, just to just reflect on that. Okay. Well, why, why do I, what do I, what do I need that for? Especially with the autoimmune disease. Like that's yeah. To, to look into that, to be like softer and, and on yourself, something to like more self-care. So if people want to find you, find more information, potentially work with you, what's the best way they can find you? Yeah. So they can find me on the get pregnant naturally podcast. It's on Spotify and iTunes. And I also have a fertility diet freebie. So fertility diet, F R E E B I E. And it's a three day fertility diet challenge. And basically it's got fertility friendly foods, free of the top allergens. You can start cooking with you and your partner this weekend, just download the guide and that will be oh, the neat. best way. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm sure that there's going to be people out there if if you've already had kids or you're done, no more kids. Um, you, have, I bet you know somebody that could use Sarah's help and guidance. So I will definitely put all of those links in the show notes and so many other 
things that you mentioned. I'll go back and I'll find them and link them as well, especially the water. I want to look up yeah. Berkeley water. Cool. That sounds so good. Oh, yeah. um, my last question for you is a little bit adjusted because your kids are a little bit older. I usually ask my guests, what is something you want to tell your kids when they're 18? But I'll extend it and say, what's something that you want to tell your kids? They're already 18, but maybe when they're ready to start a family or they're, you know, a little bit more grown up, maybe they don't want to start a family, but maybe when they're going to be moving on into that more adult time of their life. Like they've grown up with me talking about this stuff, like the last 10 years with like food sensitivities and how food impacts your body. And really, you know, we don't need to go right. You know, conventional medicine is there, but we don't go there. We don't go need to go there first. There's lots of things we can do with our, even with essential oils and um, like a, mm -hmm. a natural way of doing thing. I, functional medicine does not exclude conventional, but um, yeah, I would say to like, listen to your body um, and, and really <laughs> there's, I don't know. I, I, the, the, my kids are like, really shut up. I'm sick of you talking <laughs> about all this stuff, but I grew up and my mom was vegetarian. And when I left the house, they became vegans thought she was insane. This was 30 years ago. She'd be taking her string bag to the grocery store. I was you know, mortified. And now my parents are in their seventies. All the, all their friends are getting knee replacements and falling apart and their health is pretty good. So, um, I, I do believe when you're, you're modeling to me, it's about modeling. Like, I can't force my, like my kids go out and eat garbage, but I, they, they know when that, and to model this behavior. And really, um, that's what you're impacting the future, your future generations by modeling a good approach to health. And, um, yeah, that's a whole other topic, but, but yeah, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's seeping in there. I, whether they want to accept oh, it or not, hear it. I know, I know. And then I've, I've been finding other doctors, like, um, other doctors that actually are like functional doctors that are, you know, I've, I've, Anyway, just had some other doctors be, be able to reaffirm what I've been saying about things. And, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, your mom's not crazy about the gluten or mom's not whatever. So it is getting your team together and um, mod all you can do is model good behavior. And eventually, I think it just seeps into them. It really does. Yeah, absolutely. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate you sharing. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing hopefully some stories from the listeners about connecting with you. Great. Thanks for having me. The Pumping Podcast is a podcast for moms and by moms. And I am your host. I'm not yet a mama. I'm a mama in training. If you're enjoying what you hear, please take a minute on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review so more mamas out there can find us and listen along while they're pumping or breastfeeding. If you'd like to be a guest and share your story, email me at thepumpingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also email me if you have any questions for any of my guests, and I will reach out, get those answers, and relay them to you in a follow-up episode. A big thank you to my friends Ashley and Kelly for the use of their baby's laughter, and my dear friend Erin Adams for writing my gorgeous theme song. You can follow along on Instagram at The Pumping Podcast, and go ahead and share the podcast with a mama you know. Until next time, keep on pumping.